Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Keith Cormican. Keith is the director of Bruce's Legacy, a nonprofit dedicated to search and recovery of drowning victims all over the world. Becoming dive certified in 1990, Keith has had the opportunity to dive in many locations. His main interest and passion has always been being involved with public safety diving. He opened up the Wazi, I think that's pronounced right, Sports Center LLC in 1996 to serve the many divers that would be coming to the old iron mine, now called Wazi Lake. This was also the year that he assisted with forming the Sheriff's Department Dive Team, the Jackson County Dive Unit. Over the past 20-plus years, he's been involved with many recoveries throughout the Midwest. Among his numerous personal certifications, he offers PADI, SDI, TDI, and ERDI courses. He's worked his way to become an instructor trainer through TDI Advanced Trimix, SDI Instructors, and ERDI Instructors. He holds five Dive Rescue International Certificates and is an instructor trainer for Emergency Response Diving International, offering 10 different courses to public safety divers. He's taught these courses through Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, and Minnesota. 2013 marked another milestone for Keith when he started his nonprofit organization to educate communities and assist families in need. Bruce's Legacy Search and Recovery provides community education and performs search and recovery operations using a side scan sonar unit, and we'll talk more about that uh, in a minute. Keith says, it's been a long-time goal of mine to have an official organization that can assist in search and recovery operations and give families peace of mind so they can move forward after a tragic drowning accident. Welcome, Keith. Hi there. How are you? I'm well. Um, and, you know, I I love, obviously, there are certain things that people um tend to do after losses. They write a memoir, they get into end-of-life work, but um, maybe they make a film, you know. But I really wanted to interview you because what came out of your loss is uh, not obvious, right? Um, And yet, obviously, to me, what you're doing has so much to do with your loss. So could you, could you share the story of your brother, um, you know, and, and what happened that led you to this work? Sure. Um, to, to start at the beginning, uh, my brother and I had gotten certified together back in 1990. Um, our main focus was to be involved with public safety diving in our, in our community uh, the main fact was is, is um, I was not involved with the fire department at any any way. Um, I was uh, I had a seven day a week job or business back then, and uh, I, I just didn't feel I had enough time to you know to devote to that. But my brother was, and he was a firefighter EMT um, for as a volunteer um, in our community. And he, he, he had been involved with a recovery where they used uh, drag bars. And he described um, how that worked and what he had seen and, and how difficult that was to, um, to do that. And uh, we got talking and we both had some desire for scuba diving anyway. We talked about as, you know, in the earlier years. So in 1990, we finally, you know, made that first step and we, we uh, paid for our own classes and we got certified together. 
And we started diving, you know, just like any new diver. We were, you know, diving uh, gravel pits and uh, small lakes. And uh, but then uh, soon, soon to find out uh, about the, you know, used used to be a uh, an iron mine that was closed up, and they were dismantling the iron mine, and it was all fenced in, and uh, this this. Uh, hole in the ground was 350 feet deep mm. and 150 some acres large and they um had uh quit mining there some you know probably four or five years or uh, in, in 1990 I, I they had quit mining there and were dismantling it and, and it was filling up and we had heard about it and uh in in the probably in 1994, about the 394, we started sneaking in, and uh, we uh, we could get in there and, and dive it when it was uh, you know pretty pristine uh, water, and we kind of got hooked on it, and then we started talking about that we felt there was going to be a need for a dive shop because the iron mine turned that over to the county park or to the the county, and the county was going to make it into a, a park. So we had been discussing, you know, the possibility of a, a, a the area needing a dive shop in the you know early nineties. Um, then it was in August of nineteen ninety five when they the fire department had got paged out for a local drowning, and up to this point, you know, they'd average you know usually one possibly two drownings a year in our county, mm-hmm. and um, and so. On this call out, they it was on a Saturday. They got called to a missing canoeer, and what it was is uh, earlier in the week we had about seven inches of rain, and so our 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 lake or our rivers uh, and creeks were very much flooded. Mm-hmm. But on this uh, occasion here, it was a gentleman and his three daughters that had came to do an annual canoe trip. And instead of postponing that trip, they decided to do it anyway. And it was a uh, it was basically just a, a creek called Robinson Creek that flowed through our county. Uh, back then, I had no idea that people even canoed it. Um, didn't realize it was big enough to even do that. Mm. But, uh, but it was pretty well known for that. And this family came down through and they got into this um, area where it's called the Polly Falls. This is a, a the creek that is normally um, during the summer months is about 30, you know, on an average of around 30 feet wide. So it's not a very big creek. On this day, uh, or actually in this Polly Falls, it also had what was very uh, unique in this area was is about a two foot uh, drop. Uh, so it kind of created a little, you know, two foot falls and it was called Polly Falls. Uh, and it was a, a pretty good hole there. So it's popular with the locals for a swim hole. Well, on this day, with all that rain, uh, it had flooded the waters way back into the woods. Um, this Polly Falls turned into a, a huge washing machine. Mm-hmm. And it uh, the family got into this area, and uh, the, one, the one canoe with the father and the daughter had capsized. The father was able to push the daughter close enough to shore where she was able to grab onto something, and it, uh, the current pulled him under. And the three daughters witnessed his, uh, their father drown, and this was in August of 1995. So that's what provoked the call out for the local fire department. They got there on that Saturday and seen what they had, and, and they knew there was nothing much they could do. There, there was no diving involved at all. Um, Prior to this, we we were just working as volunteers, um, you know, as for divers. Uh, we were was about five of us that had had our own equipment and previous uh, callouts. We would just uh, go and do whatever we could do without any any really good training. Um, so on this call, they were, they knew it wasn't a diving situation, so I wasn't involved whatsoever. Uh, never, you know, never got called in for it. So they. As a fire department, they did what they could, it, you know, through some pipe poles in and some hooks and drag bars and, you know, did it, did whatever they could. And they, they came up empty on Saturday. The water had been receding down over these days now. And um, so Sunday they came back and they tried some more things. And, and as the water was going down, um, they still had no luck. 
So on Monday, the water had receded quite a bit in those three days. And um, so the fire department put together a plan uh, where a group of them would search out through the woods um, and uh, because the, the uh, water had receded quite a ways back out of the woods now. So they had a large group out in the woods searching the, the wood lines uh, along the creek downstream. And then uh, my brother was involved with a group that um, had the guys that had wetsuits on and PFDs, uh, life jackets. And they put together a plan where they would, uh, three of them would hang onto a rope uh, with a couple of the gorilla guys, uh, big guys on the shoreline walking along the shore. And they would just feel with their feet. So there was no scuba equipment involved whatsoever for this. Mm. Uh, but they were doing what they could do. Uh, they started, you know, well downstream and worked our way up to the to the last uh, scene point. And uh, they got into this near this Poly Falls. And because they didn't have any prior training, didn't really understand just the force of that that turbulent water that would pull you in uh, upstream towards it, um, it sucked all three of them off their feet and towards the uh, towards the falls to the point where they were, you know, fighting for their breaths of air to stay uh, stay on the surface. Um, that's when the the guys on the shoreline had called out to the others. Um, and then the others got there and they were, you know, just a mass uh, of an event, I'm sure, to to get their three guys out of there. Uh, the one gentleman was able to get out fairly quick. He, he got pulled to the bottom. He kicked off the bottom and, and got pulled out uh, fairly quick. And the left with the, the two others were left in there fighting for their lives, getting pulled down um, for a period of time. And he'd come back up, get some air to the point where both of them were unconscious. Um, the guys on the shore were throwing ropes and doing whatever they could pretty much hopelessly. And, um, and then at some point, uh, um, they, they both got released out of, you know, kind of at the same time and they were both unconscious when they got released out of the hydraulics, uh, as they floated downstream a bit, their, their firefighter jumped in and pulled them to shore and started CPR on both of them. And, um, by now they had, you know, called for the ambulances, which, you know, is part of the other, you know, their department. And uh, my brother's wife was actually a uh, EMT as well. Mm. And so lo and behold, she um, worked at the bank right across the fire hall. She knew what was going on as far as what they were supposed to be doing that day. And so she responded as an EMT and, um, they all knew this was coming. And uh, so anyway, they, they were able to keep her busy with the other gentleman and they got him revived. Um, and they hauled him to the local hospital. Uh, my brother, they put him on a helicopter uh, to uh, uh, emergency uh, trauma unit about an hour away drive. And they flew him there. Um, and then as a family, uh, we got there that night or, you know, that later that day and into the night. And, uh, and then it was, uh, the next morning we had to make a decision to, um, pull him off life support. They did some tests and he, he was found to be brain dead. Mm. So he was, uh, you know, he was, uh, 40 years old. Um, he had two teenage kids and a wife. He had just uh, started a business uh, two years prior to that. He built a brand new gas station in our local town and was really doing quite well and um, getting to where he, you know, like, you know, just really enjoying life. And uh, and then that happened. I appreciate you telling the full story that way because it really um, deepens an understanding of what calls you to do what you do. Um, not just the dive dive recoveries, but the focus you have on safety, doing doing whatever you do, diving or uh, recovery s- safely. I imagine that must be a big part of what would come out of an experience like that. It is. Um, you know, that first year was um, certainly extremely tough. You know, I had a lot of guilt going along with that, um, wondering if, you know, if I had been there, you know, if, if, if it would have been different. Mm. Um, 
You know, I'm very angry. Hilt seems like often the first stop, Keith. For yeah, me- yeah. Yep. <laughs> you, you can't get around the enormity of what's happened, and so guilt. Like if you did something wrong, maybe you can do it right next time or something. But that that stayed with you for the first year in particular, huh? Yeah, yeah, I did. It, uh, yeah, in particular. I mean, it was it was it's still some there, you know, obviously. But um, you know, the first year I remember being certainly the toughest to get through. Um, there's a lot Absolutely. of a lot of things to you know with my brother's business to you know, to help, uh, with as well. And, and, um, yeah, it, it, the first year was certainly the, the toughest. Um, I'm also aware it's almost time for our first break, but I'm also aware that this was not your first big family loss. And, and so I imagine let's come back after the break and, and, uh, talk about that a little bit because, um, to me, you know, losses kind of build on themselves in a way. Um, they that one connects with all the others, and um, I can imagine that you and your brother, um, after your father died, were probably. It sounds like particularly close. So let's uh, let's talk about that when we get back. Sure. Listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. And to find Keith Cormican, you can go to Bruceslegacy.com. Be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com dot com slash good grief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Keith Cormican about his nonprofit, Bruce's Legacy. And Keith, before the break, I, I um, made the connection about your father having died accidentally when you and your brother were really pretty young. And I wondered um, how that intersects for you in your own mind, those two really early big losses in your life. Yeah. Yeah. My father, um, we, we spent the, you know, he spent 20 years in the air force. Uh, so I, you know, I guess he <laughs> called me the air force brat, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, so we spent, you know, my years of bouncing around and our last four years are spa- uh, spent in Spain from 69 uh, to 73 and then um, my father retired and uh, came back to um, uh, his hometown, and um, and then he he was got to be a, a part-time mail carrier. And um, when I was 16 years old, my brother was already uh, in. He, he had enlisted in the Air Force and um, uh, right out of high school, 
And so he was in the Air Force stationed uh, at that point. I can't remember if he's in Texas, I think. But um, when my dad uh, went to work on a uh, November day, we, we had it was on a Monday and the snow. We had about six inches of snow on Sunday night. And um, he went, he usually left around five o'clock in the morning and uh, headed out to get, gather the mail and get it organized and then go on his route. And on that morning, uh, he had, uh, with the six inches of snow, the back then, the, you know, the, and he was on a, you know, very rural, very back in the country type uh, settings. Uh, you know, it's pretty much where we live, but, um, and he's on the back road with six inches of snow and the railroad crossings back then were not maintained very good like they are nowadays. And uh, he slid into a, uh, the front engine of a train on his mm-hmm. route um, that morning before they cleared any roads. And so he was 39 years old and uh, I was 16. So near, so near the age of your brother. So my brother's five years older than I am. Five, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. So near your age, when your brother died, you were about the age your dad was when he died. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So do do you did that? You know, sixteen year olds in my experience, um, are not prepared for grief. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Although you don't get out of it, but um, I wonder if your loss of your dad came up for you when your brother then died. Did that? Did they connect in your mind? Those two losses. Um. The the okay. Say that again. I mean, I yeah, I'm not following the connection. <laughs> no problem. What I'm what I'm asking is often when someone has another loss then the first loss, you feel that too. I wondered if that was true for you. Well, probably probably very much so because of the age. You know, they're only, my brother made it a year older than my dad. So, um, you know, when I was 16 and my dad was 39, I mean, that, that seemed pretty old, I'm sure. You know, I, you know. He, you know <laughs> but then you get to that age, right? <laughs> well, exactly. When you get near that age, it's like, man, it ain't that, it isn't that old. And and so, yeah, so now I'm near that age and, and you think, holy cats, you know, this is. So young. You know, and and my, yeah. my brother's son was the same age I, I was. When uh, we uh. so, so, yeah. So, so that, that yeah. must have just, you know, undone. I mean, obviously, every grief is its own thing, and there's the the horrible loss, and then there's all of the other things that go along with it, and that's kind of what we're talking about at the moment. So I imagine you didn't immediately say, I want to do, you know, search and recovery. I imagine there was uh, an evolution for you there. Is that uh, true, or did you immediately think I want to, I want to um, help no, other families? So, so I guess what it was is we had already been doing that. You know, I kind of skipped a little bit of that. And you know, from 1990 to 19, you know, up to my brother's accident, we we had already been out on recoveries um, as volunteers, not not as uh, the fire Yeah, department. you did. You did mention that, and yeah. and also it feels like something probably changed yeah. uh, after after he died it did it did it definitely did um uh you know because what it was is those those prior years we had tried getting the fire department um to take responsibility to um you know accept us as a dive team and they they just wouldn't you know they, they just didn't want the liability and then we approached the sheriff's department because actually recoveries are under the sheriff sheriff's authority and the sheriff's department didn't really want to do anything with it. And so we kind of tiptoed around it. We thought, Oh, the heck with it. We're just going to keep doing, you know, just do it as volunteers. The problem with that, that I, you know, realized after my brother passed is, you know, he, he was doing something. He wasn't trained. Mm-hmm. I had been doing many things that I wasn't trained. Um, and 
so we we had done we'd been there and done that and and we we were diving in you know zero visibility with no prior training um and and so we were doing these things and diving in contaminated you know waters where we weren't you know didn't have the proper equipment um just because we you know we just had the desire rather than the the, the training and mm. uh, so 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 you're kind home, of you're kind of seat of your pants a little bit exactly <laughs> you know and then that's honestly uh and i say it to this day you know that's what killed my brother is lack of training lack of knowledge yeah. of what they were getting into and so that's uh yeah so it was that within that you know that next year later you know during the well, it took me about a year to, you know, usually when I decide something, it doesn't take me long to, you know, I don't, I, you know, I, yeah, when I, once I make a decision. You seem I, like I, a man of action for sure. Yeah. But but getting to the point where you decided to take action took about a year. Yeah, it took about saying? a year, right. Uh, where where what we did is um, the we finally, we got the sheriff's department to sponsor us and uh, we started you know, getting members, and we actually formed um, the nonprofit five hundred one C Jackson County Dive Unit back in nineteen ninety six. So it was the following year my brother's accident, um, and so yeah, so we started you know doing that, um, and then it was also about that same time as when I opened up my dive shop, hmm. and. Um, and I, I had a, um, you know, I had a, had another business where, you know, I'd been doing for several years and I uh, was looking for a change. And um, so I went ahead and uh, so I ran both businesses for a couple of years. And then, uh, then I sold. Then uh, once I decided I wanted to stick with the dive business and I sold it, sold my other business. Um, so yeah, that, that was 1996 was a, was a big year because we started the dive team and I also switched gears in my life and opened up a dive shop here in town. You know, um, often I have people who haven't had major loss say, wow, I can't believe because I do this because, uh, my first wife died and, um, the changes in me were so big that I ended up doing this, right? And people will say, wow, why do you want to keep reminding yourself, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but for me, and I, I wonder if this is true for you, um, there's no reminding myself, there's no forgetting. Uh, and so the idea of helping other people um, with, with uh, something that, happened in my life that was so big it's very rewarding and i i wondered if that is your experience that kind of do doing this safely and giving people um the closure that you give them uh i would imagine you feel uh, as if you're honoring your brother yeah it's absolutely what it is um you know with the first with the first step of, of, you know, getting into the dive business, my goal was is to get trained um, so I could provide training for police and fire departments. Um, that was my you know, main focus. Um, so I, I did. I, I went, I've been all the way out to California, um, all the way to the East Coast. And whenever there was any kind of training uh, prevailing to public safety training, uh, I, I would spend whatever it took to get there and get the training because back then there really wasn't a lot out there. And that, that was the tough part. There, there really wasn't a lot out there. Mm. So that's, uh, but I did, I, I started getting the training and then, um, you know, in, in, in around, uh, the, let's see, around 2000 is, uh, is when I had gotten my instructor certification for public safety diving and yeah, boy, I, I found myself very busy. Um, my goal was is to provide the training so other family members didn't have to deal with what our family dealt with. Mm-hmm. And I put together a very effective course. You know, I'm very strict. I take it very seriously. And uh, and my students have all, you know, commended me on the courses I've given them. And um, 
So it's very rewarding, yeah, to have, you know, to, to, to share the story and, and uh, give the reason of why we need a training. The importance of the training is so we, you know, all these guys go home at the end of the day and, um, and stay safe. There's also um, one thing you highlighted quite a bit on your website, which I really appreciated, is why recovery. Excuse me. Why recovery matters, uh, and it made me think about uh, my wife's death, my parents' death, friends' deaths, and how um, how honoring their bodies uh, really mattered. And so I was thinking, uh, you know, you you highlight what what. Um, what matters about recovering a body in terms of grief? And uh, that really stood out to me. Can you tell me your understanding of that? I have my own ideas, but um, uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, so, you know, through the years of, of being involved with the trainings and stuff, and then, you know, we having the occasional call-outs that we had in our county, we, you know, found ourselves, you know, traveling a little bit around, you know, surrounding counties. And then, you know, as you see more and more of this stuff and, and dealing more and more with it, um, you know, some of these searches would, you know, I can remember one taken a week, a uh, week long. We worked it every day for seven days. And, you know, dealing with the families on, the, on a daily basis uh, at the end of the day when you're not successful and you see their, you know, you see their, their reactions, um, you know, it's just heartbreaking. So that's what drives you to come back the next day. And, and so as the years went on, um, you know, I started learning about more of this equipment and um you know realizing the importance of getting these bodies back there there is a you know there is equipment out there so we started researching um the equipment and boy oh boy it didn't take long and it, you know the, the the price of this equipment is is you know for many years is nothing that i could even consider mm. and and it wasn't until um in in all reality is is uh, some land that i sold um, and what it was is my brother and my, you know, I have one sister and, uh, so my, and, and only have one brother. So there's just three of us. We actually inherited our, my dad's family farm, um, you know, uh, within, I don't know, I think it was like a few years after he passed, my, my mother had, uh, willed that farm over to us as 140 acre farm just outside of town that he grew up on. Mm-hmm. So, um, over the year, you know, over the years, I ended up buying out my sister and my my brother's uh, two kids uh, got his share. So I ended up buying out their shares because um, we just used that land for hunting. The kids weren't doing much of it anymore. So I I had bought that land uh, some years prior to the, um, to making this decision, and uh, and then lo and behold, I had a, a company come along and and made me a, a very uh, uh, impressive offer I couldn't turn down. So that was, um, you know, I had some had some money that I would have normally not had. It was a family farm, and um, you know, we didn't. Nobody lived on the farm. It was just vacant land that we hunted on. So I sold it, and now I had some money, mm-hmm. and so I used that uh, some of that money to start Bruce's legacy. You know that what that makes me think about. It's about time for another break. But what that makes me um, so keenly aware of is, I was thinking as I was investigating what you do, how you do it, where you've done it, all of these things. You're you're really all in, and that deepens my understanding of how all in you are. That you know you took the land that your family had. And devoted it to this, and um, I find that very moving. Let's let's come back and talk some more after the break. Okay, listeners, you can go to my website, weatheringgrief.com, or the Good Grief Host page to find all the links to to me and to join my mailing list. And to find Keith Cormican, you can go to bruceslegacy.com. Back soon.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com dot com slash good grief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I've been talking with Keith Cormican, the director of Bruce's Legacy, a search and recovery nonprofit, water recovery nonprofit. And um, Keith, so now you have this incredible organization, which I, I really feel uh, compelled to emphasize that you go wherever you're called to go you and your and your uh, cohorts, the people you work with, uh, free of charge. Um, this is a, a completely, you know, just travel and somewhere to stay. Um, you don't get paid to do this, which is quite remarkable. You've put a, a lot of family money into it, and you're, there's no, um, uh, you know, payment to you for that. Um, I want to put in a plug for people donating. Go to go to Bruce'sLegacy dot com and and donate because that's that's amazing. Um, but would you like to talk a bit about um, current time, how the organization works, how people find you, who works with you? I'd love uh, I'd love for people to hear what has become of this thing you were called to do. Sure. Um, so yeah, after we made the commitment, um, and got the, you know, the started purchasing the equipment that we needed. Uh, my son was, my oldest son was very much involved with that part of it. Uh, and we started off, um, just offering our services and, you know, and, and getting, you know, at the very beginning, I mean, we would, you know, cert, I would do some Google searches on drownings and, and if they hadn't found them, we would, you know, just reach out to the th- local authorities and offer our services. Um, those, those times have certainly changed. Uh, we don't have to do much of that anymore. Um, <laughs> all the, the seven years. People, people have gotten the memo, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. It really has gotten crazy. Um, with the social media that we live in nowadays is, um, is just truly amazing to get the word out. And so I, I get, you know, I get multiple, I get many requests, you know, sometimes weekly. Um, and, and it's, it gets overwhelming for sure. But, there, there, people just want to have a clue to how much um, this goes on, that people go missing and, and just, you know, the local authorities try everything they can uh, with what the resources they have. And they, they, you know, sometimes are not successful. So they just are, you know, being told that there's nothing more they can do, be done. And so our goal is to change that. Um, certainly, the you know the best we can. And and in the seven years that we've been doing this, uh, we've actually we're, we've lo- re, um, we've located thirty three drowning victims. Mm-hmm. And um, there's yeah. So so then a lot of those are you know 
where most of them are where departments have already given up on them and we come in after the fact and some, you know, many months, some many years. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're trying to offer this service. Uh, my goal when I set this up is um, I'd, I'd heard some horror stories over the years where there was companies out there that had the equipment and were charging these families crazy, crazy amounts of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of research and, and was finding, you know, some, some just horrible horror stories that way. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, it's how can these, you know, I, I just couldn't understand they're, they're, you know, taking advantage of families like that. And I just kind of like some money. aspects of the funeral industry uh, have that reputation as well. kind of using people when they're down not all i want to say that there are some you know really caring um people in that industry but sure yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. so yeah so that's been my goal all along is to be able to offer offer a you know a service to these families um you know and and you know and and, you know if we can you know when so when i get a, a family or friend of the family or something, um, or even a department that will call me. Um, I will, I will, um, you know, just explain to them that, that we are a 501c nonprofit. Um, we, we, you know, we don't charge for our service because all our, you know, myself and our, our volunteers are, we, we're, you know, not, we're not paid. We've never been, never drew a check out of this nonprofit ever, never will. And so we do have expenses. So we just ask if, you know, if we can give me recover our expenses uh, for travel and motel, um, you know, that's, that's what we, we ask for, but there's been, you know, there's been several cases um, where well, I won't give a location, but uh, there was, there was a, a case where the family, I seen the family was on the news. Um, you could just see that, you know, it was, uh, you know, they, they, there was not, not a lot of income there. They were missing, a, a you know, it was a young boy, the father, and another fishing buddy of them went missing out in um, uh, in a large lake. And uh, we we just reached out to them, and, and I just offered our service um, at no charge. Uh, it was going to be about a, I don't know, eight or ten, uh, eight or ten hour drive. But I, it was in the fall of the year. My dive business had slowed down that time of the year, and I just, I just wanted to offer it to them uh, at no charge because I could see there wasn't much money. And, and lo and behold, that uh, we we did find them, mm-hmm. and um, we found all three of them. So, so that was very rewarding. And um, and when you can do something like that, and this is, you know, this had gone on for some time where they had all given up, and uh, and and that's what we find a lot of is. is we, you know, the reward is, I wish more and more people could experience that. Um, Absolutely. Because it, it's what it's all about. As a grief counselor, too, I know that people can can get really so troubled by, uh, I mean, this is too small a phrase, but loose ends, you know, unknown things, or um, it has a big impact on grief, how... Uh, how things go when someone dies. It's not just that they died, it's how things go. So I can imagine that that it really, really helps people with their grief, with that process, um, to be able to have uh, whatever type of ritual they want, um, you know, around the body, burial or cremation or whatever it is to to uh and of course a lot of people are very attached to where the person's body is and you know a graveyard or whatever it might be so i can imagine that makes a big difference often yeah uh i one one story that stood out very much to me was uh your recovery of scott eagle at lake sakakawea is am I pronouncing that correctly? Pretty close. Um, because the ways in which I know uh, he was he was Native American, and I know um, have good friends, and ritual around death is so very important to that community. Um, and so when I was reading about 
their honoring of you and your team, uh, it just felt um, warming, you know, that they that um, they were able to have those rituals they wanted to have. Yeah, I, um, you know, I have uh, uh, foster aunts and uncles that are Native American that I have uh, grown up with, and. You know, so I'm, I'm um, you know, kind of partial in that, you know, with with their cultures and stuff. And, and uh, even though I, I didn't grow up around them, you know, when I was growing up, because we were always never around here. But, um, you know, I was really taken with that case. And, and in all honesty, that was our very first uh, uh, case that we had found um, the gentleman. Oh, my gosh. What an experience. And it was, I mean, they had been looking for him for uh, uh, two weeks and uh, they, you know, they were just, you know, very surprised and very cautious um, of us offering our service to them uh, for no charge. We just asked that we could get our, you know, expenses paid and they even, they were just taken by it and they did a lot of research on us, I guess. And, they they had us come come there and uh, we boy we we drove twelve hours my son and I drove twelve hours there uh, got there at midnight got a little bit of sleep got up the next morning uh, met with them and uh, they kind of explained to us what they had they had a cell phone ping and uh, they kind of had a plan that they wanted us to do um, based on the, what their thoughts were the current. Um, I presented my plan, which was different than theirs. And I, I was worried that when they started telling me what they, you know, they where they wanted me to start searching, I thought, oh, my goodness, I, I, this is not going to be good. Mm. And and once I explained to them why I, you know, wanted to stick with the cell phone ping, they just said, you know, yep, let's, you know, whatever you want to do. And I thought, okay, that's good. Well, we went out there and in, in less than an hour, well, way less than an hour, we, we had, lo- I think it was 30 minutes of, of mm. we'd located Scott. And that's, that's incredible. That, that was, that, I, I sort of feel as if some prayer must have been involved. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was amazing. Um, and, uh, and then I, you know, I had my dive gear. So I, I went down in 55 feet of water and brought Scott up and, and, you know, and, and then, you know, we were, we all we had asked for at that time was, um, oh gosh, what was it? It was like seven, it was 750 miles. So we asked for 750 bucks. They had the, they, they had their own casino motel. So there's no motel expenses for them. So, so we were just expecting a check for $750 and, and we we're going to, you know, we we're going to head back. And, um, and, and so we had located them by, you know, by the time we got them recovered and everything, it was, it was probably around, you know, uh, one o'clock when we met with everybody and, and um, the family came, came and, and through and, and, you know, thanked us and hugged us and, and um, went through, you know, that process. And then uh, I explained to him that I, I needed to head out and get back so I can open up my store. This was on a Friday now. And uh, I said, you know, now I can get back and open up my store because I would close, just close the store in those, di- in those days. Um, and, I yeah, we explained to him we just needed to go ahead and head out, and we'll you know let them do their thing. And um, right away, the lady that was uh, in charge of it all, she asked, she said, "Well, you know, you guys are so tired, you know, why don't you you know you, you need to stay another night?" And and um, you know, we we would like to have a a ceremony and involve you guys tomorrow. And I thought, oh gosh, no! You know, I said, <laughs> got to get back home. Huh? <laughs> I, I got to get back home, you know. And and, uh, and so I, I had no idea what what I was causing there, but uh, I just said, you know, no, I I, I got to well get. We're tired, yeah, but you know, <laughs> my, my son is young and he can drive, so uh, yeah, so we're. And so they kind of got in a huddle and they talked and they came back over and they said, well, how about if we you know, if we could have our ceremony with you, because we want you involved at, you know, at five o'clock. And I thought, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I, I thought, if you, you know, I, I, I said, all right, you know, because I, I mm. now I could see it was important. Mm. And um, 
Yeah, so that was just an amazing event that I'll never forget. Um, where we did meet them uh, at the back of this casino at five o'clock. We went and got a little, you know, tried to get a little nap. Mm-hmm. And um, then we packed, you know, took a shower and packed up and met. And we we're going to leave right after the meeting or after the ceremony. And so we, yeah, so we uh, got involved with that ceremony. And what, what an amazing, uh, amazing and I was I was so, so touched that, um, Pendleton blankets were involved because that's so traditional. Um, so that must have been so meaningful to be gifted and and honored that way. Um, it it causes me to think that you have to be a little bit. Uh, I almost want to say you have to be a little bit grief counselor to do what you do, because the relationships you have with people at that kind of incredibly vulnerable moment they're they're deep aren't they yes they are yeah it's it's, it's tough it's yeah i i don't know i don't think i deal with it that great because i'm not the you know my son he, he's the you know i always say he can walk into go anywhere and have a conversation with a doorknob i mean he's <laughs> a conversation kind of guy but i i am not that way i don't know where he got it from but uh yeah you're the quiet one and he'll he'll he'll, he'll be the one to grease those wheels with the person huh <laughs> yeah, yeah he's good at that but he's not here anymore he's he's uh you know back you know, living, living across the country there. But, um, so I do have to deal with it and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough. It's, uh, you know, dealing with these families and, you know, it's, it's, you know, certainly a lot easier when we're successful. For sure. For sure. And if we had another hour right now, Keith, I'd, I'd want to talk about that. You know, the times when, when, you can't be successful and, and how that is. But I think the trying still matters. I want to really thank you for being here today. I, I hope people will go to bruceslegacy.com and, you know, send a little bit of money. It doesn't have to be a lot, <laughs> but um, support your work. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate the, the offer here. Next week, I'll welcome back the amazing singer and healer, Amakela, who's traveled the world extensively as a cultural arts ambassador for the State Department, bringing together artists and healers of all forms and from all specialties to promote healing and wellness through the arts and activism. We'll be talking about the global pandemic and in particular, its effect on artists and all of us globally. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Abre mi corazón. 